Welcome back to Read Into Something. We're about to start another fun podcast episode brought to you by the Stone County Library inside Alice's office at the Crane Branch. As always, I'm Alice the Branch Manager. At my side is Winky, my mostly silent but intuitive co-host and the library mascot. Do the thing, Wink. (coughs) As you may know, the American holiday celebrating our valiant victory over the British is nigh. Nigh. That's a cool old-timey time word. A good word. It's Independence Day or the 4th of July. Like either one isn't a mouthful. Obviously officially celebrated on July 4th, there are tons of fireworks displays and parties prior to the holiday. Today we're going to get into some fun facts about the 4th. Grab your Uncle Sam stovepipe hat, a sparkler, and buckle in because we're going in with a bang. Did you hear the joke about the Liberty Bell? It'll crack you up. (laughs) Jokes aside, the American Revolution is world famous for showing that the American people won't be stepped on. You may have seen the Don't Tread on Me symbol with the rattlesnake. It's actually called the Gadsden Flag. The original version didn't have an apostrophe between the N and the T in Don't. The rattlesnake was used because it's an animal that was found in the New World and used by Christopher Gadsden to represent the differences between America and the Old World. Gadsden was a representative of South Carolina and very outspoken about the way the British treated the colonies. Another similar icon is the cartoon drawn by Benjamin Franklin. It's a snake with eight segments. The caption for it is join or die. The idea is that if the colonies didn't band together against Britain, the entire country would fail to achieve their freedom. New England represented four of the colonies, Georgia wasn't even labeled on the cartoon, and at the time, Delaware was still part of Pennsylvania. Nevertheless, people were inspired to take up arms by the cartoon. Here's the funny part. It was actually drawn to inspire the colonies to unite against France because they feared France posed a risk to their already established areas. 20 years later, people found the symbol appropriate for sparking loyalty in the revolution. Also, ironically, the French joined the Americans in the revolution. What a difference 20 years can make. I don't know about you, but I found the causes of the revolution super boring when I was in school. There are so many key factors for reasons for tensions between the colonies and the loyalists. Taxes were a huge part of the problem. Gosh, taxes on the most widely used products of the time. I wonder what that's like. Oh, wait, every single thing we purchase today is taxed. Yes, seems fair. Understandably, colonists were livid about being taxed on goods that were supposed to alleviate Great Britain's debts caused by the French and Indian Wars. They had no representation in Parliament, and men like John Hancock and Samuel Adams had a hand in igniting citizens' outrage and causing the Boston Tea Party. In response to the protests, King George III ordered troops sent to the colonies to enforce the tax and maintain control. That went over pretty well. Not. After several incidents in Boston, including the Boston Massacre and the Boston Tea Party, when new acts were passed, the colonists felt the pressure. They had to allow empty buildings as lodging for British troops. The Brits appointed governors despite the elected ones already being in office and the act stating British officials could be tried in another colony or even sent to England for trial if necessary. The weight of all this sparked the first real battle of the Revolution on April 19, 1775. You know how the story goes. Lots of fighting, Paul Revere and others alert people that the British are coming, 
George Washington is a hero. Then, on July 2nd, 1776, the U.S. government voted for independence. It wasn't until August 2nd that they adopted a paper largely drafted by Thomas Jefferson, the one we know as the Declaration of Independence. You just said that in Nick Cage's voice, didn't you? Britain was none too thrilled about any such declaration. For a tiny country controlling something like 98% of the world, they had next to no chance at further expanding into America if they didn't have control of the colonies. The battles that went on and on claimed victories on both sides. There was betrayal, thanks Benedict Arnold, and mutiny. But eventually, Britain withdrew its forces in Charleston, South Carolina. The war didn't end until a treaty was signed in Paris on September 3, 1783. Nearly a decade of war. Ouch. Obviously, it's a lot more complicated than I make it sound, but the point is freedom. And the birth of the I-do-what-I-want attitude. I think it's fairly obvious, especially with generations long removed from wars like World War I and II, Vietnam, Korea, that freedom might not mean as much to us as it did to the people who suffered through the wars. I mean, when was the last time you really thought about the Mexican-American War? To us, especially when I was a kid, Fourth of July was just a holiday filled with watermelon, homemade ice cream, and fireworks. Of course I knew about the revolution from school, but it didn't mean much to me that most of my immigrant ancestors fought to free America. Funnily enough, the 4th wasn't declared a federal holiday until 1870. But wait, there's more. It was an official unpaid holiday. Boo. It wasn't until 1938 that everyone who already received the day off got holiday pay. With that, let's have another joke. What is the difference between the American Revolutionary War and several cows being launched into space? One was the shot heard around the world, and the other is a herd shot around the world. Fun fact, Americans will devour around 150 million hot dogs in and around the 4th of July, according to the National Sausage and Hot Dog Council, who even knew such a thing existed. Americans will spend over $1 billion on fireworks. Many of these enthusiastic fireworks fans will go to the emergency room with firework-related injuries. Ow! Fireworks were invented in China between 600 and 900 AD. By the 1300s, the fun explosives had made it to Europe, where they were used for religious festivals and entertainment. John Adams wrote a letter to his wife around the first anniversary of the signing of the Declaration. He hoped people would celebrate with pomp, parade, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other. I'd say you hit the mark, Mr. Adams. One of my favorite fireworks shows ever was when I was in college. College of the Ozarks puts on an amazing independent celebration. One year, my friends and I got together down by the college dairy. We were close enough to where they were setting off the fireworks that debris was falling around us. I love the big booms that echo off the hills. Poor Winky's terrified of the sound, so she doesn't get to enjoy the fourth. In the intro, I mentioned you should grab your Uncle Sam stovepipe hat. Have you ever wondered who Uncle Sam is? The first known literature about him is a book called The Adventures of Uncle Sam in Search After His Lost Honor by Frederick Augustus Fidfatty Esquire. I love that name, Fidfatty. Frederick Augustus Fidfatty Esquire. Supposedly, Uncle Sam is named for Samuel Wilson, a meatpacker from Troy, New York. He was the meat inspector for the American Army and supplied much of the meat that fed the troops. It's not clear if this particular Sam was the Uncle Sam, 
However, on September 15, 1961, the Senate and House of Representatives and Congress saluted Uncle Sam Wilson of Troy, New York, as the progenitor of America's national symbol of Uncle Sam. So there you go. It's been said that the 4th is America's drunkest holiday. Even in old-timey times, the soldiers got into their cups. George Washington allowed extra shares of rum for his soldiers in 1777. Two days before the signing of the Declaration of Independence, the delegates of the Constitutional Convention threw a party. They consumed 54 bottles of Madeira, 60 bottles of Claret, 8 bottles of whiskey, 22 bottles of porter, 8 bottles of hard cider, 12 bottles of beer, and 7 bowls of alcoholic punch. How about some fun facts about the Founding Fathers? Benjamin Franklin wasn't allowed to write the Declaration because the others were afraid he'd try to slip a joke in there. I think he'd be proud of how I add jokes to our episodes. And with that, we better have another joke. If you crossed a famous Founding Father with a famous monster, what would you get? Benjamin Franklinstein. It's not hard to admire Ben Franklin for his love of jokes. But you have to give props to Thomas Jefferson for serving his guest macaroni and cheese. He ordered a special macaroni mold from Italy before he moved to Monticello. Although he had the machine at his disposal, he often ordered pasta from Europe. It's also noted that he loved ice cream. I can picture him and George Washington having get-togethers where they were just awful people plotting awful things to do to other people while they ate ice cream. Tom was a little strange anyway. While he lived at the White House, he kept a pair of grizzly bears in a cage on the lawn. Grizzly bears. John Hancock, whose signature is as big as his ego was, was one of the few men in the Revolution who had a bounty on his head placed there by King George III. When he signed the Declaration, he said, Gentlemen, we must all hang together. By which he meant they needed to be united. To which Ben Franklin supposedly said, Yes, or we shall assuredly all hang separately. See, the man liked his jokes and his puns. I think we would have been besties. He once wrote an article to scholars asking them to look into how to improve the smell of farts. Much as I love witty Ben, you have to have a little laugh at George Washington. He reportedly told General Henry Knox to shift that fat Harry, but slowly or you will swamp the damn boat before crossing the Delaware River. Okay, neither George nor Henry were probably laughing, but in retrospect, it's kind of funny. General Charles Scott recalled a tongue-lashing George gave to another of his generals. He swore that day till the leaves shook on the trees. Charming. Delightful. Never have I enjoyed such swearing before or since. Sir, on that memorable day, he swore like an angel from heaven. Don't make George angry. You won't like him when he's angry. Richard Stockton, one of the Founding Fathers, renounced his signature on the Declaration after being captured and tortured by British soldiers. It took weeks, but he finally agreed to remain loyal to the King and was paroled to his home. When the Continental Congress signed an oath of loyalty to America, Stockton also willingly signed. There were rumors about his loyalty, but he continued to be a prominent citizen and spent his days teaching law before he died of cancer in 1871. Stockton's son-in-law, Benjamin Rush, another signer of the Declaration, served as the Surgeon General during the war. He wasn't a great doctor because he treated yellow fever with bloodletting. Nevertheless, he gave medical advice and trained Meriwether Lewis in bloodletting before the Corps of Discovery left to explore Louisiana. The medical kit he gave them contained, among other things, 50 dozen of Dr. Rush's bilious pills. 
These were laxatives that had more than 50% mercury. It doesn't take much to imagine why they were called thunderclappers. Interestingly, the meat-rich diet of the core members made the pills necessary. I only mention this because archaeologists have used the high mercury content to trace the core's route across America. Thanks, Dr. Rush. Okay, I found some dirt on Ben. Per Ranker.com, this dark secret about Ben is rather shocking. After he died, bones were found in his London home. About 1,200 bones. But it's okay-ish. He wasn't a murderer. Experts believe he was probably running an underground anatomy school. It was considered unethical to examine dead bodies, and many people wishing to do so did it in secret. Being caught examining cadavers meant instant jail sentence. Benjamin Franklin, furthering your future illegally. In more ways than one. Do they have 4th of July in England? Of course, that's how they get from the 3rd to the 5th. Another fun fact. Governor Morris, yes, that's his first name, supposedly lost a leg when he jumped from the roof into a carriage after dallying with another man's wife. It was replaced with a peg leg, but that didn't stop him from being an adventurer. History.com says that Morris lost a leg in an actual carriage accident in which no ladies were involved. Despite the peg leg, the ladies still flocked to him and it didn't slow him down from dancing or braving river rapids. Seriously, some of these founding fathers were pretty hardcore. Other interesting facts surrounding the revolution. Around the time of the American Revolution, the population was about 2.5 million colonists in 1776. Today, America's population is 328.2 million per Google. About 217,000 Americans fought for liberty. A little over 4,400 died in battle. Almost every American has heard of Paul Revere. But did you know Sybil Ludington, a 16-year-old lady, rode 40 miles across unfamiliar territory by herself to tell the New York militia the Redcoats were burning Danbury, Connecticut? She has a statue in Carmel, New York. You've probably heard of Fort Knox and all the gold inside, but did you know it was named for General Henry Knox, who I mentioned earlier for being slightly portly? Although he had no military experience, thanks to reading and understanding human nature, he played a major part in driving British from Boston and defeating them at Yorktown. He was the chief of artillery and became the first secretary of war. And thanks to Knox, Nathaniel Green, a noted figure who has a park and a county named after him in Missouri, became the youngest brigadier general in the Continental Army. He was sickly and limped, brought up to be a pacifist, yet still managed to become a war hero with help from books he bought from Knox. Had George Washington died in battle, Green might have become the next appointed leader of the Continental Army. Prior to 4th of July celebrations, colonists had celebrated King George III's birthday. However, in 1777, through with the monarchy, some colonists decided to hold funerals for the king. Toodaloo, George. Yankee Doodle was originally intended to insult the Patriots. British soldiers used the song during the War of 1812 to mock their enemies. And Americans were just like, unicorns don't concern themselves with the opinions of donkeys. Paul Revere and Samuel Adams planted a time capsule under the cornerstone of the Massachusetts State House in Boston. The time capsule was opened in 2014. It contained a pine tree shilling, a copper medal engraved with the image of George Washington, newspapers, and a silver plate that might have been etched by Revere. 
So today we've looked at lots of information about the spirit of the original Patriots. If you need more, the internet is always handy, although I find some contradicting information, so don't take anything at face value. Goodreads has a list of best books about the American Revolution, fiction and nonfiction. It might have some interesting reads on it. I'll post the link on Twitter. Winky and I hope you and yours have a fantastic fourth. Stay safe, don't end up in the emergency room with fireworks burns, eat a hot dog or some ice cream, and give a nod to the heroes who freed us from the monarchy. Next episode, we'll be looking into some old-timey time serial killers, a podcast in two parts. It's going to be a bloody good time. (laughs) Don't forget to visit the Stone County Library Facebook page where you can stay up to date on news, activities, and interact with other library patrons. And please visit the podcast Twitter page at twitter.com slash sclcpodcast, our Instagram at instagram.com slash sclcpodcast, or our webpage at podpage.com slash read dash into dash something. Once again, thanks for joining us. Don't forget, if you like read into something, please leave us a review or a rating. It means a lot to us. Thanks. See you next time. Allison Winky out. <laughs> Disclaimers, views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to Allison, not necessarily to her employer organization, community, or other group or individual.